Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Riff. Thank you for joining us. Um, I am here with Cameron. Cameron, how are you? Good, thanks, Lauren. How are you today? Good, good. Um, Early morning podcast. It's a bit of a change for us. It's weird. The sun's out. It's shining. I like it. It's weird to be recording when the sun's are, sun is out. It is. Um, I like it, though. It, it, Bright it, and early. It's good, and um, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the day. So hit me. What are we talking about today? Today is crime time. Crime time. It's yes, back. It's, it's been back. a while. It has been a while, but now we're back around to it. I think everybody in the news will have definitely seen everything that's been happening in America. Bit of hectic stuff happening over there. So we thought we would do an episode of Your Rights with Police. Yep. And I think, Lauren, we should just start by saying that we're both of the opinion that we want to steer away from the political side of everything of course, today. Of course. We just want to discuss the key terms regarding your rights with police. That's it. In New South Wales. That's it. We don't hold any particular view one way or another um, in terms of the podcast about what's happening. It's simply just an informative That's right. We're podcast. here to give you the facts. The facts that's of it. what your the, rights with police are. That's it. So... Without further discussion, we might as well jump straight into it. Okay, Lauren. So, as you're the criminal lawyer here, I'm going to throw a few questions your way today. So, my first question, Lauren, is if I paint a scenario for you, is I'm driving down the street. I get pulled over by a police officer and the police officer puts on his sirens, pulls me over, walks up to my door, taps on my window and asks me a question. Do I have to answer any of his questions? So, if you are stopped by police, they are able to ask you some questions that you have to answer. So, a police officer can request a person provide their name or address or in your circumstances with the car, they can reasonably request details of who the car belongs to and Mm -hmm. any passengers in the vehicle. Um, If you're just walking down the street and a police officer stops you, they can only really ask for your name and your address, some sort of identification. If you don't provide your name and address, that is an offence. You can get a fine. The police are reasonably entitled to demand particulars of somebody. There's authority surrounding that, that they're reasonably entitled to say, who are you? Yep. But if they ask for anything more than that, so for example, if they say, where have you been today? What have you been up to? Who have you been talking to? You don't have to answer any of those types of questions. Right. If you're in a vehicle um, and they reasonably suspect that the vehicle might have been used in an offence, so for example, if you were driving down the street because you were driving away from a 7-Eleven that you've just held up. Or it's a stolen car or something like that that's that's been reported. That's it. So they can reasonably ask the details of who you are, who was in the vehicle, and you'll have to provide those. So that is an offence under... So the main authority that details what police powers are and what people reasonably have to comply with yep. is um, an act called LEPRA, so yep. Law Enforcement Powers Responsibilities Act. Um, so it's an offence not to give the details of who you are and if you're in the vehicle, who the vehicle belongs to. So, right. And if you lie to the police officer, that's an offence, I imagine, is it? If you lie about the details that you have to answer. So if Correct. you say... I'm John Smith and you're actually Cameron, Yep. then that is an offence. It's a little bit tricky to say how they could prove that. Mm-hmm. But 
realistically say you say that and then they go well show me your id Mm -hmm. because they can demand identification right that was going to be my next question for you yeah so they can demand to see your identification um so if you say i'm john smith and then they go well you have to show me your id then you're in probably a bit of trouble okay okay there's certain questions that I do have to answer and certain questions that I don't have to answer. What about the power of the police having the ability to stop me and potentially search me? Can they go through my pockets, go through my car? So they, there's no sort of common law power to stop someone prior to to stop and search someone prior to an arrest. So unless you're under arrest, they can't say, oh, I'm going to search you now. Mm-hmm. But they may stop and search anyone who they reasonably suspect has something stolen. So, for example, if they see you walk out of a jewellery shop yep. and then two seconds later the jewellery shop owner runs out and goes, that man just stole a bracelet, and then they come up to you, they can reasonably say, I'm going to search in your pocket because that man's just pointed to you and said he stole a bracelet. So they can reasonably search you if they have grounds to believe that you have something stolen. But if they just walk up to you and they go, I'm going to look in your pockets now because I would like to look in your pockets. Mm, That's an abuse of power. 100%. So there's no sort of common law power or there's nothing in Lepra that says they can just walk up to someone and search them. Right. They have to have a reasonable grounds. And there's there's some authority that talks about reasonable suspicion. It's got to be more than a mere possibility. Mm -hmm. So it's not less than a belief of... I believe this, it's got to be something based in fact. It's very funny. As being a non-lawyer, that would be hard to understand because you'd you'd kind of want a percentage to be able to say, you know, I've got a reasonable suspicion. Exactly. A 40% suspicion. But here, it's not like that. It depends on the situation. It's very case by case. But you as the person being searched has the right, have the right before they search you to say, what are the grounds of the search? And they have to tell you. So if you say to them... I don't want you to search me. Tell me why you're searching me. And if they say, well, that bloke just said you walked out of the jewelry shop with a bracelet, Mm. then you're able to understand a little bit more. But realistically, if that's the situation that you find yourself in, ask the question, Mm. get them to tell you politely. Don't be obnoxious or combative, but just say, well, what are the grounds? I think that's some really good advice, Lauren. And I think if anybody takes anything from the podcast today, it's to make sure that you ask the questions to the police about what they're doing if you find yourself in this situation. Exactly. You have a right to ask. You have a right to say, what is the basis of what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And make a note of it. I mean, the main thing I will say is that Police have a very difficult job. Of course, they do. You know, they're always out there on the front lines. That's it. That's it. And they deal with a lot of ugly situations. And unfortunately, they can be quite desensitized and quite over it. And when you've got a 12-hour shift and everyone's yelling abuse at you, by the end, you're not exactly wanting to to engage with the community on the same sort of chipper, happy demeanor. Mm. If you're polite and you just simply say, I want to know the grounds, and then if they Go further than that, then you have a reasonable defense to say this was unlawful. Right. Fun fact with respect of searches, um, if a dog sniffs you, that doesn't count as a search. So a sniffer dog with the police coming up sniffing, it doesn't, it's not counted as a search. In that situation there, from what you're saying, the dog can conduct its sniffing because it's not a search. That's it. The dog provides the reasonable suspicion for police to search you. So if I have, if I'm in the airport, for instance, and a sniffer dog comes up to me and sits, I think that's what it does when. 
There's a variety oh, of cues or, okay. or whatever it does. Let's say the dog sits and the with the dog sits uh, sitting, the police officer comes up to me and goes, I want to check your pockets because the dog's sitting. Is that a reasonable suspicion? It is. So because the dog is trained to obviously sniff out whatever contraband it is that they're searching for, so yeah. if it's a bomb detection dog or a drug dog or whatever it may be, the dog sitting and the dog providing the cue is the reasonable suspicion to search right. you. So he's almost like the man from the jewelry shop. Correct. Okay. Easy. We've had the questioning phase. What are what are our rights in relation to arrest? So the main thing to understand with respect of an arrest is once a police officer says that you are no longer free to go and whether that's by act or just by saying, mate, you can't leave, stay here, mm-hmm. you are then under arrest. Right. Do they have to say the word arrest? Not particularly. Mm-hmm. So... They do have some guidelines as to what it is that they have to do and say, but the important thing is that the courts have held that once a police officer has made it plain that you are no longer free to leave, you are then under arrest from that point. So, Lauren, I've been watching quite a bit of Netflix lately. Go on. And one of the shows that I'm quite into at the moment is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Don't know if you've seen it. Great show. Great show. But... In Brooklyn Nine-Nine, when they make an arrest, as with most American cop shows, you know, they read you your rights. Okay. Does that happen here in Australia? So it happens in some form. Mm -hmm. So we call it a caution. Yep. And it's where they say you are now under arrest and anything that you now tell me is being recorded if they have body-worn footage um, and can be used later on. So it's considered that you're under caution Mm -hmm. and therefore you've been cautioned Mm -hmm. that anything you say. So it's primarily about obtaining evidence after that time realistically an arrest is when you are no longer free to leave right so it's the de- it's it's detaining you it's depriving you of your liberty yeah because i is, think that might be a common misconception out there as many people think that unless they're told you know you have the right to remain silent they can go on saying whatever they <laughs> they want yeah the main piece of advice that i would hope that every single person in my job would be a lot easier <laughs> if everybody just didn't talk. Don't just talk. shut your mouth. Wait for us to get there. <laughs> yeah, just just be polite. Police are doing their job. Just say, look, mate, you're doing your job, but I'm just going to stay quiet now. Moving back here, Lauren, to the arrest side of things. We touched on it a bit before, but for the arrest to happen, the police officer has to have a reasonable suspicion. That's it. The purpose of an arrest is to bring a person before the court to be prosecuted for the crime that they have committed. So they have to have what's considered a prima facie, which means on the face of it, they have to believe that there has been a crime committed Mm -hmm. and that you've committed that crime. Right. And an arrest constituting a charge... Do I have that correct? So if I'm under arrest, am I charged? Or is that an arrest that's holding until they investigate? Until you can charge. So it's not about investigating. Mm -hmm. So the investigating has to have occurred already. But effectively what it is, is you are arrested for the purposes of bringing a charge. So you're arrested so they can bring you back. Now it's it's a little bit different to how it was in the olden, olden times. But you're now arrested to be brought back to the station for a charge to be processed and either for you to be detained if you don't get bail, which is a whole nother can of worms and another <laughs> podcast in itself. Yep. But it's a purpose of bringing you to the police station, charging you, giving you the paperwork, either giving you bail or keeping you if you're not granted bail. Is there a time limit on an arrest? 
Yes. Basically, when it comes to arresting a person, there is a period of detention that can be incurred. So it is effectively, they have to do it in a reasonable and practicable time. So they can't arrest you, pop you in the cells and leave you there for four days because they're doing the paperwork. Right. It's got to be done in a reasonable time. Now, people say, oh, I was kept there for four or five hours. That's that's pretty reasonable. That's pretty standard. But if you're mm-hmm. kept there for more than a day, you're well and truly. So it's no set period. It just depends on the circumstances. Is that correct? Very much so. So there's there's a lot of time between when you get arrested to when you're probably granted bail or not granted bail, depending on circumstances, that can be considered dead time effectively. So for example, if they're waiting for an interview room because you've agreed to be interviewed or if they're waiting for you to have medical treatment or if you're a little bit drunk um, and they need you to sober up or... Fair enough. All of that sort of thing. So it's, it's a lot of variety and, and also it can just be that you're at a very busy police station. Yeah, of course. So if you're... Well, say, for instance, if I've been arrested, I've got this time period where they can put a charge against me or not put a charge against me and then they have to let me go what happens in that period here often you will be arrested you'll be taken back to the police station and a charge will be processed Mm -hmm. they will offer you an interview and it's uh, we call it an erisp but it's a electronic interview where they sit down they videotape the interview but if i can give one piece of advice to anybody that's being charged Contact your lawyer or there are legal helplines that they have to give you the details of so they can contact Legal Aid and you can have a chat with them or just contact any of the law firms that you can Google Yep. and explain the situation. But 99.9% of the time, we will say, don't agree to an interview, be polite, sit down, shut up, get your, get your paperwork and come see us tomorrow. There is a very big misconception about the lawyer's role at this time once you are arrested and you're at the police station and you're being charged lawyers won't come down because you have a right to silence and that right to silence means that if you don't say anything to the police it can't later be used against you so they can't say oh well he didn't tell us his side of the story when he was charged and has he now just made this story up later on Yep. No, you have a right to be quiet and not say anything that could incriminate you. Mm. And realistically, that whole purpose is because being under arrest and being charged is a very stressful time. And most of the time, you don't know the full story. The police might charge you with something and then during the interview, they want to put all of the evidence that they've thus far gathered against you. And it's the first time that you've been exposed to this evidence. You're in a police station could be any hour of the day and it's just very stressful so no absolutely so i i think everybody needs to take that on just get some legal advice as soon as you can but you can remain silent yes and you should because it's a stressful time you're not going to be thinking clearly and you're going to be rattling off any answer that you think you can give which could be used against you in the future 100 percent. and once you have given that version of events that's the version of events. Right. That's the end of it. Yep. So the best thing to do is to just stay silent. Once a lawyer comes to the police station, that right to silence is no longer there. 
if you engage in an interview, it's considered that you've had legal advice and you're therefore giving a version of event. So we won't come down so we can protect that right to silence. That's fair enough. That's another common misconception, I think. Exactly. People think that once you're arrested, a lawyer has to come running. It's not in your best interest mm-hmm. that we do that. Okay. Just be quiet, be polite, get the paperwork and get out. Yep. Fair enough. Can they conduct forensic procedures on you at this stage? Ooh. Yes and no is the short answer. Um, Basically, there's two types of forensic procedures. There's intimate forensic procedures and non-intimate forensic procedures. Now, basically, it's exactly what you think it is in terms of intimate and non-intimate. I don't think it's exactly what I think it is. I think you're going to have to explain it. Okay, great. So, (laughs) intimate forensic procedures can be things like photographs or swabs from genitals and buttocks. Fair enough. Yep. So okay. It's exactly what I was going? thinking. No, 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 no. Thank you for <laughs> clarifying that for me. Um, so basically when it comes to uh, non-intimate forensic procedures, if a senior police officer, so we're talking sergeants and above, have grounds to conduct the procedures, so fingerprints, uh, samples of hair under the nails, etc., if they're satisfied that the person is under arrest, it's not a child or um, vulnerable person, then have to be reasonable grounds to believe that the forensic procedure might bring evidence to confirm or disprove the offence. So it has to be related to the actual offence. Yep. So if I, I don't know, if I steal jewellery, they probably don't need to conduct an intimate search unless, you know, I put it somewhere. So Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how you steal jewellery, but I'll leave that with you. We'll keep that for another day. Yeah. That's another podcast. So, but I would say then that a non-intimate one, that's like fingerprints. Fingerprints, taking photographs. Um, So an idea, so a good idea is that if somebody said, I saw somebody with a tattoo of a dragon on their back. Easy. They can ask you to remove your shirt. Take a photograph for the purposes of evidence. Yep. Okay. So that kind of thing there. If you're talking about intimate procedures, it's got to be a magistrate or um, an authorised person, an authorised justice, so the late night courts that they do. And if they're saying that they need to take a sample of pubic hair or dental impressions, if someone bit someone, I mean, bite evidence is a bit different, but that's a bit more Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be, there's there's a whole grounds about when it comes to intimate forensic procedures, but it's very similar to non-intimate ones, but it just has, the standard is a little bit higher, obviously, because of what it is that they're doing. Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense, Lauren. So... To wrap it all up here today, what would be your three main tips of advice about when a lawyer should get involved and how we can help somebody that's going through this process? So the main tips that I would give about rights with police and what lawyers do in this process is A, ask the question if you don't know. So do I have to answer the questions? Do I have to do this? Tell me why I have to do this. Yep. Um, B, just be quiet. Be quiet and be respectful. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. And a lawyer will get involved after the process has happened. So pretty much everything we've talked about, a lawyer won't really get involved until it's all finished with the police. That's right. The police will be involved in the whole process for a snippet of time. Mm -hmm. Come to us, keep a recollection of what's happened. So once everything's happened, write it all down. So that we can then tell you whether or not everything has been conducted lawfully. And if it hasn't, then we will get involved in certainly having some ramifications as a result of that. Mm. But 
99% of the police out there are doing their job and doing what they understand is is the right process. You do get some people that are the bad eggs. But oh, but that's like with any job, though. That's but, like with anything. But we do thank all the police officers out there that are, you know, doing a great job and, and protecting the community. And especially during this time of yeah, COVID. Yeah, of course, of course. Lauren, I've learned a lot today. It's been a great podcast. I love Crime Tames. It's amazing. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Yes, yes, as am I. Lots of uh, lots of discussions. We've got a lot of lists. And if anybody has any ideas about what it is that they would like to hear about, please write in. Um, and if you would like to engage with us, Cameron, how can people get involved? Oh, Lauren, they can get in, get in contact with us. You can find us on Facebook at Adams and Partners Lawyers. Just type that into the search bar. We've now got an Instagram, which is Adams Lawyers. Give us a follow. You've got the podcast, obviously. Leave us a review. You can give us a call. Go to our website, adamslawyers.com.au, or you can send us an email to info at adamslawyers.com.au. Wow, there's a lot of ways to contact us. So get in contact. Yes, get involved. But um, otherwise, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. And we'll be back soon. We will. Okay. All right. Bye. See ya. (laughs)